Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Listeners, we're at the end of the year. We're up to episode 54 of Plastic Model Mojo. Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Mike. Uh, you know, we did, this is end of year two of PMM, and uh, who'd have thunk it? When this episode drops, it'll be December 31st, the last day of 2021. Uh, we got a lot of Christmas well wishes from as close as just down the road in Danville, Kentucky, to uh, as far away as Helsinki, Finland, and uh, a few of our friends down in uh, Australia. So we appreciate that. Hope yep. everyone else had a nice holiday. Absolutely. And uh, we roll into 2022 here. Yep. Got a little momentum going. I hope so. Well, what's your model sphere looking like with uh, the end of the year here upon us? I'm a little concerned. <laughs> the last couple of times, we, I am lucky enough to have a very, very good hobby shop brick-and-mortar hobby shop uh, here in town called Scale Reproductions. You've heard us uh, uh, refer to it over the years. Well, the last couple of times I have walked into Scale Reproductions, money in my pocket, new items on the shelves, and I have walked out without buying anything. And I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's bad for Brian. Well, yeah, it's bad for Brian. <laughs> true, true, true enough. But I'm, I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that's wondering that maybe because I didn't have the most productive year this year, and we'll get into that later. I'm wondering if that plus turning sixty has made me a little more reluctant, selective to or whatever to pile another kit on the stash, uh, especially when my my workbench isn't moving as fast as it did last year. So now I don't think this is a long-term thing or anything, but it's just interesting that just for the last couple of, uh, of visits to scale reproductions, I've, even though there's been new stuff there, uh, I haven't, I haven't been parting with the green, so we'll see what kind of trend, trend that shows down the, down the long term. Well, there'll be some shows coming up. You'll. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll find something. Uh, especially. Maybe not kits, but you'll find something. Yes. Yeah. So how about your, your model sphere? Well, first I want to give a early shout out in this episode to one I missed last time. Uh, as to Eric Simmelmayer out in California, uh, he had caught on to the, the fact that I'd mentioned painting these fantasy miniatures, these old ones from the seventies and eighties a while back. And he sent me a nice selection of seventies uh, and eighties, 25 millimeter fantasy miniatures from his old collection when he was buying and painting these back in his youth. And he sent them along in a little Chessex storage box. Now Chessex is a, their dice company, but they sell these th three or four sizes of plastic boxes with foam inserts for miniatures. Just a real nice gesture. Uh, Eric, I'll get to him eventually, but I really appreciate it. That was very, very 
very generous of you. That was a lot of fun to get those in the mail. And I, I know I talked to you via email when they came in because you asked. And uh, for some reason, I must have thought I had it covered. And then I didn't mention it in the shout out. And I had every intention of doing so. So there you go. We got we got good listeners, Dave. Yes, we do. We do. Boy, do we have good listeners. And that we'll, we'll come to that as well. Well, in addition to that, though, I've been kind of working on my plan for next year and uh, how to best leverage my current skills and build on them project to project in the coming year. So we'll, I don't know if we'll get to that this episode, but uh, probably in our- Maybe, ne- maybe next. Our kickoff episode, we'll, we'll get into some of that. So that's pretty much it for the model sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would hope that this close to New Year's Eve, you aren't uh, recording this without a modeling fluid in hand. I am not. And what do we have? Uh, I got something new. Ooh, do tell. Uh, it's a bourbon. It's a Michter's small batch out of Louisville. Yes. Michter's corporate office is two and a half, three blocks from my office downtown. So uh, I can see it from there. Okay. Well, it's like 91 and a half proof, something like that. 91.4 maybe to be exact, but uh, okay. we'll uh, size it up at the end as we've started doing. What about yeah. you? I know you got something too. Oh yeah. I got something special. Oh, I, I have special Italian glass that my wife brought back from Italy when she went on her last trip. In it is an ice ball from an ice ball mold supplied by listener and uh, former IPMS president, John Nowak. And in the glass is Old Forster 1920 Prohibition style bourbon, thanks to a fellow MMCL member and uh, modeler from up in your neck of the woods, Randy Fuller. Nah. Uh, Randy... (laughs) Randy, uh, at the club Christmas party in mid-December, brought me a bottle of uh, 1920, and I'd never had it before, and you raved over it. So this is a coordinated uh, effort to bring me what, so far, we'll we'll wrap it up at the end, but so far, I've got to tell you, good experience. Well, good. Well, did Randy have an opinion? Or did he just buy it because we mentioned it on the podcast? Oh, no, no, Randy, this is this is one of Randy's. Uh, it's in his rotation. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know because he's a lot better at this than I am. Yeah, well, he, he, is, he is very knowledgeable in the bourbon department. Well, we got a lot of listener mail again. The listeners do not disappoint, Dave. I know they do not. And as usual, they've got a lot of good stuff in here. Where's my glasses? <laughs> well, just strap on your Optivisor. And that's too close. I'll be banging in the microphone. There you go. Well, first up is our friend Mike Halliday out of Iowa. And uh, I stole this one from you because this actually came in on Facebook Messenger, but uh, I thought it was kind of my topic. So no, that's fine. I don't know if you saw this one or not. So if you remember, we were talking about that M3 Lee from Airfix I bought, that vintage kit that I plan on doing. Yeah. And uh, the the mystery we think of, you know, for some reason, the Lee has never been reissued and the grant has kind of never gone away. Yeah. So, so why is that? Well, Mike has an interesting theory or a possibility. I won't call it even a theory yet, but a possibility uh, by an existence theorem on something similar that happened. Uh, he brings up accurate miniatures and their SB2U vindicators and 48 scale. Yeah. 
when they launched those kits back in, I don't know, when was that? 90s? Oh, God, 90s. Yeah. And uh, they originally tooled the uh, SB2U-1 and Dash 2, the Yellow Wing variety. Right. And then they introduced the 3. And the big difference between the 3 and the 1 and the 2 is it has a larger horizontal tailplane and elevators. Yep. And AM eventually folded, as we all know. And Academy ended up with some of those. Of which they picked up the SB2U-3 and the uh, the V-156, the, right. the export, the, the export the, version. Right, the French version. Uh, but no Dash 2. Even though the prices on these AM kits have gone up crazy on, yeah. on those on those kits. Well, he says once you expect to inspect the sprues, you can see what they did. Uh, they tooled the one and the two, and they shot up a bunch of them ahead. And then to do the three, they didn't create a new tool set. They just reburned the cavities for the horizontal stabilizer and tailplane. Yeah. And and once you've done that, there's no going back. There, there's no going back. So he asked me if the Grant turret was bigger than the Lee turret. And I said, yes, it is. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's a possibility they shot up a bunch of Lees and then reburned the turret cavity to create the Grant. And I've not seen the sprue layout for the for the Grant. It's almost it almost has to be identical. Yeah, I would think so. And I'll tell you what, we've got enough listeners out there with enough airfix knowledge because there's a whole subculture of modelers, not only in the UK but but plenty of them in the UK, but all over, who are not only airfix fanatics but fanatics about the history of airfix and the history of its kits, and so. There may be somebody listening out there who actually knows the answer to this question. And if so, we would appreciate you reaching out and uh, cluing us in. I might just have to go the horse's mouth on it. It's it's all worth doing. Although I don't know, do you think they would uh, tell us if if that was the case? I don't know. That's a great question. Now that they're in the 35th scale, they may not give a rip about those old kids. That's true enough. Up next, John Pisano from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And uh, this goes back to our adhesives episode. So we had a straggler come in at the last, right before we re- dropped the episode. Well, recorded the episode. So do we ever use tandem applications of glue? Either more than one application of the same adhesive or an application using a different adhesive. And then he also says, it's amazing how parts, how well parts will stick together regardless of what adhesive use if you don't touch them for 12 to 24 hours and let, <laughs> let the, let the glue just cure. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes sense. Well, this double application, you know, I have to think about that a second. I do that with the, the one that comes immediately to mind to me is where I will tack, tack something down with uh, future or white glue tack, tack down a photo etch part and then go back and hit it with super glue to lock it in place when I've got it where I want it. Uh, the other one that occurs to me is that sometimes I will use Tamiya Extra Thin to assemble parts, but then I'll run Flexifile's plaster weld along the seam after the initial uh, Tamiya Extra Thin joint has dried just as a uh, reinforcement for it. So those are, those are the two that I can think of where I do apply more than one type of glue. 
Well, I do that as well. And I'll go back sometimes with more than one application liquid cement if it's a a joint. Or another thing I'll do is I'll reinforce a, a joint I've set with liquid cement, sometimes with a fillet, the super glue. Yeah. If it's not visible and I'm going to handle it a lot or something like that. Yeah. John, I don't know if that's the crux of your question, but uh, that's that's the examples we think of based on the way we're, we're reading your, your statement. And the other part, I guess even white glue, two plastic parts will we'll hold together. Now it's not going to be a, a permanent joint by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it might be a ro- more robust joint in 24 hours than it would be, you know, in six hours. Yes. Yeah. No, I, that is one thing that the tendency to, to rush along, especially if we have limited modeling time, which those of us who are, uh, you know, still employed and have young children or teenagers, um, you know, your, your modeling time is limited. Uh, that's, that's kind of been a plague on me this year coming out of COVID. And so sometimes you want to push it. And even though the glue joint isn't dry, you want to move on. And, and, you know, almost always that's a mistake where if you just back off for 12 hours and come back to it, then, then you've got no worries. No doubt. Yeah. Let it dry. Let it dry. That's right. Move on to something else. Well, we'll move on to something else. Father Deacon Raphael Shelton from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. He uh, he emailed in, and basically what he's asking, and he kind of hints at your 72nd scale forum you've been moderating. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened to all the forums? You know, I, I think he's, he's like me. I, I get a, a vibe in his message here that Facebook – in particular, maybe some of the other social media platforms have made the quick post so easy that uh, I think it's just it's taking the place of the forums because it's easy and because it's Facebook's storage space. And I I think there's some truth to to that to some extent. I think what happened, and we've we've talked about this a little. I kind of have a, a theory on it. You had the the several large forums the. Uh, Armorama, the track length, hyperscale, et cetera, et cetera. And then what happened was that people tend to have areas of interest. So instead of going through to hyperscale and weeding through all the stuff I'm not interested in, I was drawn to 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum because that's basically my jam. And so I think the first stage was we went from big forums into these smaller, more specialized forums. You had less people participating, but it was more concentrated in your subject area. And then because of the proliferation of cell phones with cameras, I think that you and fa- everybody has Facebook on their phone, or almost everybody does, that became, like you said, default because it was easy to do. Now, I don't think it replaces the forum. Uh, because of the fact that Facebook is not threaded, and therefore the stuff tends to be uh, ephemeral. You you see it, and it's like, oh, that's neat. But if you want to go back and find it two weeks later or two months later, it's really hard to do. Whereas on a threaded forum, I can go on seventy second scale aircraft forum, and I can locate any any thread by a modeler that I remember from a year and a half ago in three or four minutes. Um, so I still think there is a, a place for forums. In fact, 
I'm not so sure we're not going to see forums revitalized. I know uh, 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum is hosted by TapTalk, and TapTalk does have a phone app where posting to a TapTalk board is nearly as easy as, as doing a Facebook post. Now, they've had some growing pains over the years getting it to, it's not quite as seamless and not quite as smooth, but it's getting better and better where you can participate meaningfully in 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum or another forum that's a tap talk forum by using their app off your phone. I think probably that is, I'm hoping that 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 revitalizes forums because I do think they are the best way to way to communicate with other modelers of like interest. I will say the one other thing that I think has probably affected forums uh, as much as Facebook is, and that is YouTube, where people, instead of doing a build post on a forum, can record video and cut a 10-minute YouTube build video. And so... I think that's becoming more common as more people get comfortable with that technology. Another problem the earlier forums had was this, this silly uh, third-party photo hosting. Oh, God, yes. And I think the ones that are out there now have just about got away from that. But uh, Yes, TapTalk does its own hosting. There's, a, there's scores and scores of broken threads out there that have no photographs. They have the stupid photo bucket. Yeah, logo the broken photo bucket logo. Yeah, it's all you, I, it's all you get, right? And I do think that the photo bucket and when they made that change, I think they damaged the forums uh, for a long time because of that. In addition to that email, uh, he messaged us on Facebook, giving us a, a pointer to a guy's blog where uh, he was building models themed around the. Tintin stories. Now, I was never into Tintin. I think I came, I, I think it was slightly before my time. And I think it's also more Eurocentric. But uh, uh, this particular blog that he pointed us to, which uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, uh, uh, has a modeler who has themed most of his building off that. And that's his particular area. And I do think, you know, in addition to forums, that's another thing is I do think a lot of guys who wanted to showcase their work instead of showcasing it on forums, showcased it on their own personal blogs, especially since you can do a blog for basically free. And I was looking here to see what that blog was. It's the Strobez Miniature Modeling Museum. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Strobez Miniature Modeling Museum ought to get you there, but again, we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Absolutely. So, thank you, Father Deacon Shelton. We'll make folks aware of that. All right, here's an interesting one, Dave. All right, John Clausen from Reno, Reno, Nevada, wants to know if uh, VMS is uh, going to be a big name player like AK Mig 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 Ammo, or uh, do you think it's different and why? Now, VMS is Vantage Modeling Solutions. I can't remember where they're out of. Somewhere in Europe, aren't they? It's it's somewhere in Europe. I'm thinking either Germany or Czech Czech Republic. Uh, I'm thinking it's in English. Maybe oh, UK. is it? UK? I, okay. I don't, I don't know. 
their their website defaults to English. That's why I'm I'm curious. That's <laughs> oh, why okay. I'm saying that. And well, I don't know. Anyway, what do we think? I, I've not tried any of their products yet. I'm curious. And there's a couple I, I do want to try. Will they be as a big name player like AK Mig or Ammo? I don't think so. Uh, and the reason I think that is, I think what uh, VMS is doing is the antithesis to what the other companies are doing. I completely agree with you. VMS has figured out that a lot of these products that get sold to us as modeling specific products really aren't. They're repackaged commercial products and or industrial products. And uh, they've figured out the, uh, the way to sell bigger volumes at lower prices through economy of scale and dispensing with all the marketing hype. That's my opinion. Your turn, Dave. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. First of all, you and I are going to have to get together and place an order because there's a number of VMS products that I would like to try. I think they've done exactly what you described. A lot of the items that other hobby companies who shall go nameless for the moment do is they they repackage products that are out there for other uses that have modeling uses and they repackage it and sell it in such a way that they're doing it as if it's their own invention. Whereas I don't think VMS has that kind of, of attitude to it. They're not, they're selling more straight hobby, you know, here are these hobby products and you can get good products at a good price without the, that whole level of marketing. I do think the marketing that VMS is doing, and they are doing some, I don't want to call it guerrilla marketing. Let's call it targeted marketing. Oh, I think it's, I think you're right on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is some brilliant targeted marketing. Some key placements. We'll say key, that. Yeah. Key placements. And I'll tell you what, it's worked on me because I've gone to their website and there are, I can list a half a dozen items that I want from their website. And so you and I, after the new year, are going to have to place a joint order. Hopefully the shipping won't be too bad. Uh, maybe not. So, you know, I kind of liken them to a uh, a chemical supplier to a laboratory. Yes. Yeah. R- right. So. Yeah. I, we could be wrong, but that's that's the whole vibe I get. All right. Next is Brandon Jacobs, and uh, he's telling us about Winter Blitz down in uh, College Station, Texas. Oh, wow. Now, now, I think we've mentioned this before. Yes. I don't know if this show got canceled last year, maybe, or they started planning it last year. I don't remember. Anyway, Winter Blitz is to be held on January 22nd of 2022. Uh, it will be held at the museum of the American GI and college station on Saturday, again, Saturday, January 22nd of this coming year. And it's hosted by the Texas independent modelers, which is kind of a umbrella group of modelers. They're, they're IPMS amps affiliated one or both or the or, right or none at some point. Uh, and they put on this show. I'm not sure if it's armor only, but, but based on one of his comments here, I think it is armor, maybe figures, but, Based on the, it's not affiliated with any organization. It's 100% uh, independent gig. 
should evolve into an IP Master Amp show one day. Who knows? He's saying. Uh, but the museum and their tanks provide a great backdrop. I, I imagine it does. Probably a lot like where we were a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. And it's their first first show doing this. So maybe, I know we mentioned this before, but I, it's been a while. I don't remember what episode it was in. Uh, we got a model contest surrounded by one, one-to-one artifacts, armored vehicles, et cetera. Uh, again, should be a great backdrop, and we certainly experienced that up in uh, Ohio. So you can check it out, www.winner-blitz.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, early, early in the year before their show, we're going to get Brandon on to talk about this. That's the plan. By the way, I've noticed, and I don't know if this qualifies as a trend, but I have noticed that we do seem to be seeing more shows held in conjunction with uh, museums. I know Jim talks about the Seattle show up there at the Museum of Flight. Uh, obviously, the Cincinnati show you and I attended. AMPS has held several of their shows in museum venues. That's becoming more and more of a thing. And I think that's a great thing because I think it benefits. There's a synergy there that if you have a museum available, that, that taking advantage of it, if, if you can, you know, work with the size and space limitations that the museum has and work out a deal, I, I think it, it, it adds an extra added oomph to the show. I know in Cincinnati, it really made the show additionally interesting by looking not only at the models, but by all of the actual displays. Coincidentally, up next is uh, Don Gilman, also from College Station, Texas. Don had written in about a a month ago, and there was a, a blurb he was hoping to hear us talk about in his email. And I don't know how I missed it, but I did. So I apologize, Don, for that. But we're going to get to it this time because you emailed me asking what was up and I told you and uh, I promised you we would. The big thing he was interested in, he says in his email, my nearest known modeling clubs are two hours away. I hear all about your social activities. and I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I've started Aggie Land Model Club on Facebook with the intent of building my own club. And he wants to know what we have to say about club building. You know, uh, well, one, reach out to IPMS USA, contact uh, uh, President Dave Lockhart, who was was the former director of local chapters for IPMS USA. And one of the things that the DLC does is he helps connect up uh, folks who don't have a club with the regional coordinator in their region, and they can help them build a club because we can reach into the IPMS USA database, and basically we can look for members in your geographic area, say in a circle an hour from where you're located, and find all of the other IPMS USA members and reach out to them and put them in touch with you and you in touch with them to basically help build a chapter. When I when I talk about all the things IPMS USA does, this is one of the big things. So reach out to Dave Lockhart, who's IPMS president. He'll put you in touch with the current DLC, and they'll put you in touch with the current regional coordinator. And maybe we can get you a chapter built there. And I, it's the best thing you can do, because I am telling you, having a local chapter really, really stimulates your modeling especially in times when your mojo might be flagging a little bit. 
the monthly model meeting comes around and you go, even if you haven't been particularly motivated and you go and you see your modeling friends in person, as much as I enjoy interacting with everybody online, there is a bonus to being able to interact in person. It's one of the reasons I love contests so much is I get to see the guys that uh, I interact with online who aren't members of my club. But when when we both show up at the same contest, we can spend uh, time face-to-face, which is a whole added experience. But uh, if, if you'll reach out, if you have any trouble, reach out to me, but reach out to Dave Lockhart, the president of IPMS USA, and he'll help you and we'll We'll see what we can do to help build you a club because I highly recommend having a club if you can. Well, that's some good advice, and I can't, I cannot add to that. So, good luck. That's all I can say. I think you'll you'll find some people. That's a way better plan than uh, just uh, flyers at the local hobby shop or whatever. Yep, but that works too if you got one. Yeah, you get a bigger (laughs) reach. You get a bigger reach with your plan. Yes. Up next, Chris, Christopher Church from Springdale, Arkansas. He's talking about our build journals from episode 53. Mm-hmm. Regarding keeping a build journal, Microsoft OneNote is a good option. It allows freeform note-taking. You can upload photos, scan documents, instruction sheets, etc. So there's a tip. That's that's a great idea. And uh, Now, I, I have used a product called Evernote, which is kind of, it's a third-party product. But it's very similar, and it does everything from if you if you run across a web page that's got information on something you're interested in building or whatever, you can just hit the little Evernote icon, and it will save that web page. It'll download the actual page so that if it disappears later, as things happen to do on the internet, you'll have that. You can organize it into folders for different projects. But yeah, something like that. If you're an online guy, uh, that works really well. I tend to like the, the, I'm, I'm a pen freak and I'm a notebook freak. So I like the, the, uh, tactile experience of taking hand notes. But if you're more of a of a computer online guy and and uh, are more comfortable with that experience, I think that's a great idea. Well, I'll look into that. And I'm sure there's an iOS version of something similar. Oh, I'm for sure the, for, for all the Apple folks. But uh, sure, yeah, it's a good idea, especially if you can upload other stuff media into that. You can create a nice little journal for your uh, for your project. Evernote is really really nice. You ought to take a look at that one. Well, also from Arkansas is Jim Maddox. So I wonder if those two guys know each other by chance. It's a big state. Maybe not. Uh, he's building Trumpeter's Soviet 52K 85mm air defense gun. Oh. The model 1943, which is the later version of the gun. I love that gun. That That is just such a cool... You know, everybody goes on and on about the 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 German 88, but I, that's, that's Soviet 85. It's just cool. Well, he's saying the kit does not come with any figures. Well, it's a trumpeter kit. If they did, you'd throw them away anyway. <laughs> uh, tell, any us what, su- tell us what you really think, Mike. Any suggestions on who makes figures for the gun? Well, I've emailed him already, but we'll we'll uh, drag this one out through the mud. I know of no kit or figure set for that gun specifically, uh, but it's kind of a a deal where it's a. It's the model 43 gun. So it's going to enter service 
late 43, mid 43 and go on through the end of the war. So really any, any Soviet figures with preferably the model 43 style uniforms are going to work for that. Now I know, I think I told him that I think it's Stalingrad miniatures makes a set of uh, artillery crewmen for, you know, like a 152 millimeter gun or, or the one you're building the 122, right? Which could in theory be adapted without too much difficulty to, uh, to serve this weapon as well. Now, I don't know if this is a, has a seated fire position or not. I, I, I'd have to go look, but if it did, I would look at like uh, many arts Soviet drivers set. You get a seated figure possibly that would need less conversion work to it than, uh, you know, a standing figure to make it fit in the seat. If there was such a thing, that's kind of the, the path you're going to have to take. I think you're just going to have to cobble something together and there's plenty of options out there. That raises an interesting question that I'm sure you know the answer to, and I don't. Uh, was there any for uniform differentiation, particularly 43 and later, between artillery troops and anti-aircraft troops? I mean, did they have piping of a different color, or by then had they gotten rid of piping? And I, I, I don't know who ran the air defense artillery. I, was, I suspect it was the artillery branch. I don't know, but... Back to the, the the base of the question, no, there was not a difference other okay. than pos- possibly the color of the piping. And I doubt that's one, too. I, I, it's probably red piping Yeah, for artillery, for artillery, I would guess, unless the infantry used the guns, which it could be the raspberry color, magenta color, if it was the infantry. But, uh, yeah, you're just going to have to uh, – the uniforms weren't unique other than, other than possibly the color of the, the insignia the cut of the uniform is going to be the same. So you get, you got a lot of latitude there with what you could, you could, you could select, but you're gonna to have to cobble something together, get creative. That's all I can say. Well, you got anything else, Dave? That's all the email. Uh, let me see. Do I have anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, you can send email to plastic model mojo at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's a, you know, a topic suggestion or, or commentary on something we've said or uh, help answering somebody's question, whatever it is, criticism, even we don't, we don't care. Let us know and uh, we'll get you on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about, uh, we'll read your email and uh, have a discussion about it. Plastic model mojo at gmail.com and tell us your geography, preferably yes. city, city and state. We love, we love to hear it. We just want to know where folks are. And and not only that, but if you have uh, suggestions for topics for future episodes, we really love those. We've had several listeners suggest, well, just like the adhesives oh, yeah, episode we did. That came from a listener suggestion. So if you have a suggestion for something you'd like to hear about, go ahead and let us know. We maybe It may be something that, that helps us uh, uh, do an episode with the topic. Well, Dave, that's it for listener mail this time. At this point, I would like to give you my usual plug and ask you to rate the podcast and whatever podcast uh, app you're using. Uh, If you're not subscribing to the podcast, we'd like you to subscribe. That helps as well. If you have a modeling friend who is not listening to our podcast, please recommend the podcast. you know, you may, if they're not as tech savvy as you are, you may have to show them on their phone how they can download the app and uh, a podcasting app and how to subscribe to our feed. We'd appreciate that. And finally, if if you are a Patreon subscriber or a PayPal donator, 
if you would reach out and email us, I'd kind of like to gather a list of the folks who are with their uh, contact their USPS contact information. We're not selling your information or doing anything with it or giving it to anybody. We'd like to have it to do things like send out Christmas cards and stuff like that and and little thank yous. So if you're a PayPal donator or a uh, uh, Patreon subscriber, if you would do that, if you'd reach out to our plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com in the subject line, put Patreon or PayPal and send us your name and mailing address. We'd kind of kind of like to compile that for a list to to be able to reach out and and thank you for your help. And while you're doing all that, and that could be a lot, please check out all the other podcasts out there. There's whether it's whether you're into one, some, or all of them, you can find them all at modelpodcast.com. It's a consortium website we've set up with the help of Stuart Clark at Scale Model Podcast to have a single repository of the modeling podcast who choose to participate in this family with us. Uh, we try to scratch each other's backs as best we can. Uh, modelpodcast.com. Go there and check it out. You can get a link to all the podcasts and you can go through those and listen to them all. There's a lot of content out there. You can fill up all your bench time with podcast content if you wanted to. Uh, in addition, we've got a lot of non-podcasting friends out there uh, who have blogs and YouTube channels. First up is Stephen Lee with Sprue Pie with Frets. He's got a great blog, long and short form topics. He's posting almost every day out there. A uh, lot of great content. Some more great time content is coming from uh, Chris Wallace, model airplane maker. He's got a blog and a YouTube channel. Now, Chris just got a bare metal kind of airplane kit for Christmas or something I saw. So uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to that YouTube video. You me, you and me both. I'm going to start bugging <laughs> him now about doing a video on it because I've got that TU-128 coming along. So I want to see, uh, uh, I want to see his suggestions on bare metal. So check out Model Airplane Maker. Also check out Inch High Guy from Jeff Groves. Uh, Inch High Guy is all things 72nd scale. It's a blog. He's got a lot of content out there. He's a very prolific 72nd scale modeler and. Uh, He's also got a lot of ship information, so uh, I, need to, <laughs> I, I need to contact Jeff Groves again because, uh, yeah, I found a I found a tree root in my my rabbit hole. I need to find a way around. So he'll bring a flamethrower to it. <laughs> He'll burn right through that sucker. And finally, as our old friend Jim Bates at a Scale Canadian TV, please check out his YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely, and you got to say hi to Cornbread. So why Cornbread? That's right. So watch watch his episodes. I know he's got one coming up soon. And finally, if you're not a member of IPMS USA or IPMS Canada or your national IPMS chapter, consider joining. Uh, as we talked about earlier in the episode, IPMS does a lot to facilitate the uh, formation and growth of local chapters. It's one of the things that happens behind the scenes. You come on to a local chapter and it it's like it was there fully formed and you don't realize that chapter got built and assisted by IPMS USA either in putting people in contact with each other or supplying uh, insurance for the monthly meetings or for the contest. So if you're not a member, please consider becoming an, a member of your national IPMS uh, chapter. Well, Dave, I think it's time for a word from our sponsor. Absolutely. Got to hear from Dr. Strangebrush. 
Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. Well, we're back, and it's time for Wagon's Ho for Omaha, Dave. All right. How long we got? At the time of this recording, we are 204 days away from the IPMS National Convention in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Almost about to break the 200 mark, man. Well, when this drops, it will be. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, and that time will fly. I remember how it did before Vegas. It is amazing how quickly that time flies. Well, I didn't get a chance to talk to Scott because of the holidays and stuff, but uh, I'll just remind people, online registration opens February 1st in the coming year, 2022. With that, you can do your pre-registration. Also, start taking on the trophy sponsorships, vendor tables, t-shirts, et cetera, all that stuff. Now, I don't know if they're doing some of this uh, via email right now. I've not asked Scott that, but uh, certainly after February 1st, you can do just about anything. Um, Part of the reason for this is that IPMS USA is going to a new software system that's going to manage both the I think the membership roster. Yes. This uh, w- the back end it's called Wild Orchid is the is the company slash uh service and uh yeah this is a big change for for IPMS USA and uh uh it's 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 a big transition for us, but it is, it's a corporate enterprise software thing and uh, should, when fully implemented, make all of this stuff much easier to, to do and to maintain. We look forward to February 1st for sure and uh, yep. getting all that uh, electronic paperwork out of the way. Yep. And if you listen, if you're going to go to Omaha, pre-register. You do not want to waste valuable uh, convention time standing in line to do on-site same-day registration. So if you're going to if you're going to go and you want to register for the convention, enter models or even if you don't want to enter models but you want the convention packet and the decals and all that stuff, pre-register saves you sometimes a couple of hours. So it's a it's a deal do it well you know every every episode cycle we get somebody emailing in that they're going to be at omaha so yes yep i think it's going to get a lot of a lot more east coast attendees than the the las vegas show did for sure listen uh, i'm telling you what i've been to the last two omaha conventions and omaha is a really great convention site it's as far as convention towns goes it's not super expensive. They've got really good food. I mean, if you like steak, Omaha is, uh, there's a reason Omaha Steaks is a company. And it's just, it's, it's a great facility. They have a fantastic facility there. So, uh, I highly recommend, even if you're on the fence, it's a 10 hour drive from Louisville and it's not bad at all. It is not bad at all. So I highly recommend it. Well, we'll get caught up with Scott as soon as we can, but uh, for now, just keep your eye out for that uh, February 1st uh, opening of the uh, online registration. You're not going to miss that. Yep. Well, Dave, it's time for Benchtop Halftime Report. 
Sponsored by Tackett Z, our good friend Ed Tackett at Tackett Z. Tackett Z is the must-have tools for the model maker. You can check that out at www.tackettz.com. You can enter the discount code of PMM at checkout and get 20% off your entire order until January 15th. So get on that. Check it out. See what you got. Still, still, still going to support the alligator clip stands, man. I, just- I, I was going to tell you, uh, as a matter of fact, my Benchtop Halftime Reports involves some of his products. Well, let's get into it, Dave. What you working on? Uh, the Mosquito has been flat coat or uh, semi-matte coated, uh, ready to do the canopy, which is I've started masking the nose. Uh, I've got to build the internal frame for the back half of the Mosquito canopy. I'm not going to finish it by December 31st, but it's going to get finished and finished soon. Um, what's delayed me is uh, I was working on a, uh, a secret project. My, as, as some of you know, uh, my brother was a B-52 Bombardier Navigator radar nav uh, for 20 years. And Academy came out with a 144 scale kit of the B-52H. I wanted to to knock one out for him for Christmas. And so I started working on that, which kind of distracted me from the Mosquito. Uh, and I made a lot of progress with it. In fact, I was using the Tackett Z alligator clip holders to paint the landing gear for the B-52. And man, it works beautifully. I'm fairly far along on the B-52 and 144 scale, and I'll post a a photo so people can see it. But while I'm not going to finish it, I'm going to end up 2021 with a single build, and we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to end up 2021 with several models that could easily finish in the first quarter of 2022. I could find myself in at the end of March with three or four completions. And so uh, that wouldn't be bad. You just been working on the B-52 and the, and the Mosquito? Mostly on the B-52, a little bit on the Mosquito. The TU-152 is on hold. I've got the M-30, which I need to, to get back to, simply from the standpoint that I, I painted up that uh, KV-1 turret to practice chipping on, but because I was focusing on other stuff, uh, I've delayed doing that. But I thought I was going to get some time over the holidays to get into <laughs> more stuff. And it just just as normal, last year was an exception to the rule. Thanksgiving to the new year is the dark time for me. It just that there's too many other things going on to allow me to get the amount of modeling I need to do. Unlike some people, I don't get a week off between Christmas and New Year's where I can sit down and model for hours and hours every day. So, you know, it Wah. just <laughs> you got vacay, you just take it. Yeah. Uh I, I I don't think the model wife would be truly thrilled to hear that, oh honey, I've got no more model or no more vacation left because I burned it all so I could sit in the basement and model. Uh yeah, that's not gonna go over well. well. I know a conversation you need to have with your employer. <laughs> yeah. So you're done. That's it, huh? That's it. How about you? Mr. Clean, if you're listening, and you know who you are, Mr. Clean, 
Dave needs another kick in the pants. Oh, thank you. Get sick, <laughs> sick Charvat on my on me again. That's <laughs> wonderful. What a friend you are. I'm working on a few things. A couple of things. Yeah, has this- something has something in, inspired you lately? Has something maybe maybe grabbed a hold of your interest? Well, that KV85 turret I bought. <laughs> we mentioned last episode has, but that's that's not it's not on the table yet. Well, yeah, it is, but. It- not, yeah. I'm, no glue, no glue and plastics yet. None of that's happened. We'll get to that eventually, but not, not in this episode. Uh, the right. Zist, the Zist 2, the 57 millimeter anti-tank gun, uh, the base I've started putting the DOS air dry clay on, on the base. I, I posted on Facebook. I've done the outside of the, outside of the revetments done. Uh, that re- that went really well. I, I like this for the basic ground form. I, I like that stuff a lot because, is there a reason you chose that over, say, say, one of the AK products or MIG ammo products for the initial covering for the base? Both Martin at Night Shift and uh, Plasma both use this stuff. Okay. To some degree. I No, not really. Other than I, I, I'd seen it used, and I know the the Vallejo acrylic paste that I, that I used on like the PT-76 base, it, it had some qualities I did not like. The texture's really uniform. I don't know. I didn't like the color, so it's going to have to be painted anyway. So I just was looking for something else. And this this air dry clay, because you can put it on, it, it it'll you know I, I undercoated the base with with that Vallejo textured earth, right? And boy, that stuff gives a tooth for this clay to hold on to. I tell you that. So it's got that going for it. Yeah. But with this clay, you can you can spread it pretty thin. And you can press, you know, whatever other scenic items you want to put on the base later into it, leave an imprint, leave a footprint for it. Uh, and you can come back and it'll look like it's actually sitting on the ground, not like on top of. Right. It, it, there, you get weight to it. Right. You get weight to it. Uh, to the degree of thickness I'm spreading it, it dries, you know, overnight. It'll it'll get a full dry. And I just I just like it. I think it's a, it's really, it's really clean. I, I was worried it was going to be sloppy and messy and it's going to get all over stuff. I didn't want it on was not the case at all. Uh, it was now, very, it's very easy to work with. N- no cracking issues as it dries. You know, I'm putting this stuff on maybe four or five millimeters thick at the max. No, it's okay. not, it's not cracking at all. Okay. And, and that is, that is a concern with really piling it on. Right. Sure. So a curiosity, a curiosity I have is how well does it stick to itself, uh, putting wet over dry. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be playing around with that a little bit, maybe on something else besides my Zis base, to see if you can thicken it up after the fact without without it cracking. Like add an elevation change or a you know a hillock or a, a just a rise in the ground or something like that. Yeah, and there's like one footprint from an ammo crate I put in that wasn't quite right. It needed a little more material under it to get the full footprint. Yeah. I want to see if I can go back and put that in and, and maybe press that in again and, and not have any gaps under it. Gotcha. So after this, once I get all this done, I've still got the inside of the revetment to do. Uh, it's going to get the full night shift treatment. You put it down, you, you make up the glue and pebbles and sand mixture and you paint all that all over it. Mm-hmm. Put the static grass on it, and then you paint it black. Yeah, you go full Johnny Cash on it. 
<laughs> and I'm Pain. telling you what, every time I've I've seen him do that on on God three bases now, and every time I see him do that, I am just you get a catch in your throat. It's like, oh my God, your base looks so good. Why are you painting everything black? But boy, it it works. Yeah, it does. So, so we're gonna follow that line of line of reasoning and uh, try that. Give that a try. I think it's gonna work out good. Now you were mentioning some things that you were going to spread about uh, the whole thing about a base is to try and give it some visual interest so that it's just not a model sitting on a bare base. You right. want the you want the viewer's eyes to be attracted to you know that's why you put so much time into those ammo crates. You talked about some other stuff that uh that you were going to to you were thinking about scattering around the the gun to add visual interest to the base. Well, I've I've mentioned it numerous times on this podcast that, you know, I'm a purveyor of these wartime German snapshots. Yes. And these things run the gamut of a destroyed airfield, you know, a, a big over a survey shot of of all the destruction or or you know, right. a, a ruined buildings, multiples. All the way down to just a helmet laying on the ground. Yeah. Why did it take a picture of that? I don't know. They were interested in it. But, you know, I've got pictures of discarded gas masks, discarded ammo crates, weapons, just photographed. The way I want to display this gun is this thing has put up a defense, but it's been overrun. So everything is left as it was in the last second for they either bugged out or were captured or killed, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be personal gear. There's going to be issue equipment. There's going to be the ammunition for the gun. There's going to be their small arms, that kind of thing. So all that's going to be placed around and hanging around on this base somewhere. So I think I, I think I got the interest part covered. We'll see. I, I, it's an area I think I'm weak in is diorama composition. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. Well, good. I can't wait. Well, also back in play is this E16 Paul because the – the Ziss is getting closer to done, so I, I got to kind of figure out where I was on the on the float plane. I've begun designing up the base for this, and you know I've got the catapult and the float plane. Yeah. So the base is going to be a small wedge section from the well, the Japanese battleship carrier, the Issei. Yeah. And what guy was the sister ship or Haruna? Yes, and. It's, just, it's going to include a small sliver of the aircraft deck with the trolley rails and then the catapult tower and the structure around that. And then just the, the bottom the very, at the very bottom is going to be the gangway around the, you know, the, the main deck of the ship. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not very big at all. Uh, last week I signed up for the maker's license for SolidWorks, and uh, the 3d CAD within that is called X design. It's a, like a, uh, it's a, it's a version of SolidWorks basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving that a try. So I was going to, design all this up and maybe end up cutting some of the, the pieces off, off the laser cutter at work. Uh, but I've been working from this, uh, Kagero publishing book, uh, you know, one of those super drawings in 3d books right. yep. uh, on the Issei. Yep. Because the, the Issei book covers is, is the battleship carrier, you know, where they took the, they took the two aft turrets Back off turrets and, off. and yep. built a, built a, a big fan tail on it for float planes and other aircraft. Yep. Anyway, there's one three fiftieth, you know, the ship scale. Yeah. There are plans in this book 
the problem is, in my opinion, they're not right. There's something wrong in the plans. And and I was working on this a couple of days for a couple of days and it's something wasn't adding up. And then I took another look at the catapults in, in their, in the drawing in that book. And they've got the, the turntable pivot in the wrong location on the catapult. So the book drawings and all the CAD in, in the book is based off those drawings. They've got this issue on the catapults, those Japanese catapults, the, the, the pivot for the turntable is like, from the start end of the catapult is about a third of the way down the length. Right. Well, the drawings have it halfway down the length. It's in the, it's almost in the exact center of the catapult. Do you think the defect is only in the drawing of the catapult or do you think that affects the drawing of the base part of the ship? No, I think there's a a sliver in the ship length that needs to come out. Okay. It's uh because you have to because everything from the tower forward, you know, cause there's those middle turrets on that ship. Yeah. Looks to be a pretty close to being right. There's just this section of decking between the center or the pivot of the catapult and the aircraft deck. That's just doesn't make any sense at all in the drawings. And I think this is why. So is, is there an anatomy of the ship of the ship on the Issei? No, there's not. Oh. I don't think there's much known on these ships because they, they was like, they were converted in 44, I think. Right. F- 43, 44. And just there's some unique features that I don't think really got documented that well. Yeah. That wouldn't be, that would not be unusual for, for mid to late war Japanese. And then of course they burned a lot of the stuff they documented too. So. Well, the short of it is this error creates some confounding issues within the structure of this wedge section I want to make for the base of this model. So there's going to be some fudging to make it all work. But to be honest, that Fujimi catapult is kind of just representative anyway. It's yeah. not it's not a highly accurate model of this catapult because I don't think anybody really knows what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much it. That's what I've been working on. Nothing new yet. Cool. Cool. We're both going to have a great 2022. <laughs> That's what we said in 2020. Yeah, yeah. We we had a great, both of us had good 2020s, man. Well, I think the pandemic effect is apparent there. So, uh, Mike, uh, have have you been looking at what's coming out? Do you have some faves and yawns? I have, and it's... I, I have, too, and I am so glad we delayed recording this uh, episode <laughs> by one day. Well, I can't wait to hear that, but I'm up first, looks like. Go ahead. Uh, Zvezda released their catalog for the coming year. Yeah, and, uh, they it's did. Got, it's got some nice 35th scale releases in it. Uh, first up that interests me is a T-70 light tank. Now, MiniArt's got a couple of T-70s already, but it's early MiniArt, you know? Yeah. And it's got some turret shape issues. The... Uh, the turret in the mini art kits is is symmetrical about the the center line on the lo- on the long axis, you know, uh, right down the, down from the back of the turret through the gun barrel that direction, rear to front, front to rear. Yeah, uh, it's symmetrical and it shouldn't be. And there's some aftermarket turrets to fix that, but they're kind of hard to get. But I'm curious to see what Zvezda does with theirs. We'll see. So I'm excited to see that. And in addition to that Zvezda release. Uh, on the T-70, they're releasing an STZ-5 artillery tractor. Now, there was already one of these uh, by Vulcan Models. 
right out of Hong Kong or, or China or somewhere. Pretty nice kit. There were some accuracy issues with the running gear, which uh, Panzer Concepts made a resin kit to fix, which I have have that, and I've got the I've, I have one copy of the Vulcan models kit because it's it's out of production and it's hard to find. Really, yeah. I, I mean, every once in a while there'll be somebody selling one out of Hong Kong for two x what it retailed for. Yeah. And the last one I saw didn't even have decals or instruction sheet or something. It was just the, you know, over trees or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm anxious to see what, uh, see what Zvezda does, does with that. Because, you know, if they make it, it's going to have some staying power. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so we'll see. What's up for you? Uh, I need a cigarette, man. <laughs> Today, December 27th, 2021, which is when we're recording this episode. Both ICM and Special Hobby announced both versions of the KI-21 Sally. This is an aircraft that Japanese World War II modelers have desperately needed. It's only been kitted twice before, uh, once by Ravel Japan way back in the 1970s, 1980s. It was also kitted by uh, early MPM, uh, early in the 2000s, back when they were still very, very, very short run. Uh, I actually have. All of those. <laughs> all of those. I actually do. But this cries out for a modern KI-21, which will lead to a KI-57 Topsy. Uh, an MC-20. Uh, this is a big hole in the Japanese twin market. And to have two companies on the same day announce new versions of this kit, and it's a beautiful aircraft. I mean, this thing is gorgeous. Not only is this a really attractive aircraft, it's a real. it has just tons of really attractive color schemes i'm telling you i i cannot wait this this we've had a lot of good announcements in the last last month or two there is nothing that excites me as much as this you got a choice yes i do we're gonna see both of hell i'll probably get both we'll see you can fill in, in the blanks in your head but one of them will be really well detailed and the other one will actually fit together <laughs> You know what? In twenty in twenty twenty two, I'm betting the molding technology is so good that both of them will fit together really, really well. I'm teasing, so we'll see. So you got another? I, I do. My my next one is not even in my genre, but I think it's going to be a a home run. Many art put out their twenty twenty two catalog today. Yes, I saw that, and they're doing a forty eight scale P forty seven D. Yes, I saw that. Now, they're kind of doing the same thing they did with armor, and they have this interesting marketing about that. They're doing both a basic and an advanced kit, similar to the armor with and without interior. Right. But, uh, you know, they've done some oddball aircraft that have all been pretty well received. Now, I know those gyrocopter things are kind of hard to put together and fragile, right. but... Uh, well, as is the actual aircraft. <laughs> sure. And then, and then that, uh, that, that tribal, you know, that Focke Wolf yeah. turbojet 
yeah, Luft you know, 46. Yeah, that that you know, that's that's a nice kit for something kind of screwball, but yeah. Uh, you know, my point is they've sown the seeds to do this well. And yep, I, agree I, 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 I don't know what the 48 scale bubble top P47 landscape looks like, but uh, these kits look nice. I, I, I'll tell you what, I think there is a market for it. Uh, while there are several P47 uh, bubble top kits out there in 48 scale, I think there is definitely a market for it. And if they are going to get into mainstream 48 scale aircraft, I think P-47 is a really good choice. Well, I'm kind of curious as to where this goes, you know, longer term, if they're going to do this basic and advanced kind of dichotomy of kits, because that's a, it's, it's probably a good idea. Well, you know, that's, I think it's kind of a play on, although it's different in the level of detail, uh, you know, Edward had done the weekend, the profi pack, uh, you know, the basic kit different levels of add-ons to it, uh, masking, ex- uh, photo etch, etc. I think they are attempts to take the basic set of molds and get more sales out of them. And I would not be surprised to see more companies go this way. Well, this one, it looks like the, uh, the advanced kit has an open cowl and a full engine. Yeah. Which is on on aircraft, that's where you go. That's, and it's basically the interior of a tank. Right. And then the basic kit looks like it has a solid cowling and maybe a, a facade for the for the engine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, just the front cylinder back, maybe. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So that's my other fave. It's not it's not something I'm gonna buy, but many arts getting good and, and going into mainstream forty eight scale World War II aircraft is uh that's a bold move. We'll see where they go. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see if this pays off. <laughs> what else you got, Dave? Well, welcome to the Ocho. Um, <laughs> this one's for you, Mike. A company called GPM or GPM dash cat KAT 48. I cannot figure out what the name of the company is, but this is listed in Scalemates. This company is releasing uh, in 48 scale an IJN catapult. So I don't know anything more about it other than the company has announced an IJN 48 scale catapult and there's pictures on a picture on scale mates, but um, this could be an interesting turn if nothing else, if it's an actual detailed model of a real Japanese 48 scale catapult, it could certainly serve as a a reference guide for scaling it down into 72nd scale. So I saw that, I thought of you, and I thought, Mike's going to get one of those. No, I'm not, because I think that's a paper model. Oh, is it really? Yeah, you might want to go look at that again. I could be wrong, but I saw a catapult on there in the last week or so, that was actually a paper model. It's a paper. Well, I'll have to go back and look at that because obviously that's, although again, paper models can be quite detailed, um, but I'll have to go back and look at that. I saw that and I thought of you thought that might be up your alley right away. 
Well, my next one is from uh, EVM out of Russia. Uh huh. And uh, they're 3D prints, 3D printing company. Yeah. And the thing that interests me, and, and I, I'm, I want to get some of these to see if actually the printer I have access to can print these. Yeah. Uh, they've made a series of spherical head slot head screws in six sizes. I saw, I saw those from 0.8 millimeters to 1.4. Now the reason it interests me is because, uh, I've got that IBG seven TP Polish tank. Right. And beautiful kit, nice kit. I don't want to knock it really, uh, because it's certainly leagues ahead of what was out there before. Right. But that said, the fasteners on the turret were these really shallow domed screws that had their slotted screws, but they weren't like a full blown spherical rivet. rivet head. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they're, they're, they're not flat, but they're almost flat, but they have a spherical shape to them. Yeah. Like they like to just shave the top off the sphere. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if these as is will serve as replacements for some of those on the turret, but if you can 3d print this stuff and, and make that work. Yeah. Then I can make my own. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially since you have access to all that high quality, high tech space gear. That's right, man. So EVM and they're on, uh, they're on scale maze. A lot of releases. They got a lot of other stuff. Yes. Besides these screw heads, but, uh, they've got some KV return or KV or IS return rollers and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff in some other scales. Again, quality-wise, I don't know, but uh, I'm probably going to pick up some of these screws. I'll probably bookend it, get the smallest one and the biggest one. Yeah. And uh, see what that looks like. And uh, if it looks doable, I may try to print something similar on my own. I can't wait to see it. You got another fave? No, I've got a yawn. Let's hear your yawn. Okay. And and again, guys, I'm I'm not crapping on anybody's modeling. If If you like this stuff and it's your thing... Great. I'm all for inclusive modeling. The more modelers, the better. The more people building more stuff, the better. It just makes Dave sleepy. Yes. I I just have no clue. I have no interest, and I don't understand egg planes. These cartoonish, they initially started out of Japan, although they do seem to have spread a little bit where it's a caricature of an aircraft and they basically start with the shape of an egg and, and make the airplane around that shape so that everything looks like an egg. They're called egg planes. If you build one for a lark, I can understand, you know, might be funny, might be a joke, might be a relaxing side project, there are a lot of these things out there, and I cannot imagine that there are that many people who are serious eggplane builders where they're going to have a collection of eggplanes. Maybe that's just me. Again, I'm not crapping on your fun, but... I know what your daughters would say. I'm what? Boomer. <laughs> Yeah, well, probably so. <laughs> probably so. Maybe I am terminally uncool and old. You saw those F, those F14s, didn't you? 
Yes, I did. Thank you. That is exactly what did it for me. Um, you know, 32 versions of the same F-14 with different markings. Just, you know. As, as an egg. As an egg. I apologize. That's it. I, I just don't understand. Well, I got a yawn too, but it's not okay. an egg. It's not an egg, not an egg plane, plane or not an egg, egg tank. Okay. There's some dragon reissues again this month. I'm, I'm glad to see them reissued for those folks who are looking for them and want them. But man, how about something new, dragon? Come on. Wow us. They are flogging those molds, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to think. What happened? I, they just got, I know they rested on their laurels and all. I, well, maybe it's the old tortoise in the hair, right? The, yeah. the, the hair took a nap yep. and lost the race. Well, the, the, the tortoise sponsor stickers are Tacom and Ryfield and all those guys, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, God, how many modeling, how many armor modeling companies are there that have come out in the last five years? Just tons of them. And it's like just at the time that Dragon went to sleep, all these other companies came out. Well, that's my yawn. You got anything else? No, that's it. Well, we'll get on to our special segment, uh, which tonight is just going to be a kind of a wrap up of 2021. And it's been an interesting year on the modeling front for sure. It has. Uh, I've got a few bullets here. The first one shows, Dave. Well, uh, I managed to make it to four shows this year. Indy happened in, what was it, February or March? where these guys came out still in the middle of the pandemic and dared to hold a hobby show and dared to hold a contest with masking and social distancing. And they, they looked at the demand after a year of no contests and said, we're going to take a chance. We're going to go to a new venue. We're going to try this. And boy, did they succeed beyond all measure. The indie guys deserve props out the, out the wazoo for taking a chance when it was easy for them to simply, it would have been very easy for them to simply cancel the thing, fold up the tent. And it was an extremely successful show. It was a landmark for you and I. We got to record in person for the first time, you and I in the same location. And at a live event. And a live event. So and, we doubled uh, down on that. And and at a at a show where, you know, the record there were challenges in recording because we were in a metal building with a concrete floor filled with people. But it actually turned out really, really well. Uh better than I think you or I expected. From from there, we went to the Nats, which having missed the year of the Nats because they canceled or postponed Texas, you know, it had been it had been twenty four months since I'd been to a Nationals, and I got to tell you, I was having the flop sweats. Uh, if Las Vegas <laughs> had canceled, I don't know that I would have survived. It was a great show. Again, they had challenges because a lot of the foreign vendors and, and foreign participants couldn't show up, but that entire crew put on 
a fantastic show. It was a huge success in every conceivable manner. It was it was great. Then MMCL put on our show. We moved to a new venue because of the fact that we knew coming out of the pandemic there would be greatly increased demand. It was a very successful show. The officers did a great job in in making all of the adjustments. And uh, even despite having to pay for a venue with a significant investment, the club made more money than they make on their normal show. So it was it was great. And then finally, we got to go to Cincinnati, held in a museum, talked about that becoming a trend. Got to see Jeff Groves, uh, both at MMCL and at Cincinnati. And the only time I get to see Jeff is at shows. And I love spending time just sitting there talking with him. And four shows is great. I would have loved six or seven, but I'll take four in a year in which we faced enormous challenges. As far as shows go, what do you say? Well, I only made three because I had a conflict on our MMCL show. So I missed that one. But, you know, the others, I was right there with you. In recent history, three shows for me in a year is pretty good because typically I was only doing Cincinnati and our show. So two tops for the last several years. Yeah. So I got to the Nationals. That's huge. Now I think Nationals is going to be a regular for me. At least we'll, it we'll, should we'll, be. We'll, we'll get two years in a row anyway. Oh, you're going to Texas. If I have to drag your, if I have to drag your corpse down there, you're going well, to Texas. You, you might have to talk to the other half of this uh, enterprise here. <laughs> the topic of venue and museums. I think at least two of those shows moved because they were formerly at schools. Yes, and because of. Being under the government umbrella, their COVID restrictions were above and beyond what the private venues were. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but uh, that's just the way it was, right? Yep. So they adapted and overcame. I think the Cincinnati Club, I think that's a good move for that one to be permanent. Yes. I, I like that a lot. Uh, Indy, we'll see what happens. I, I don't. They're they're going to have that show again there again this year at the at the 4H Fairgrounds up in Lebanon, Ohio. I can't I can't remember the month that is. We ought to plug that. It's either February or March. Well, that's not helpful. <laughs> Thank you. So you know they're gonna they're gonna have their show at the same venue. I don't know if they'll ever go back to uh, that big high school they were at before, right? Which was a great place. Yeah, it was, but but I I have got to say I I like their venue that the the new venue. It was cer- it's certainly not going to be possible for them to go back there this year. Yeah, we're not done with this yet, right? No, and and with the kind of volume that they saw in 2021, I'm not sure that the school that they were at could accommodate that kind of volume. Maybe not. If if they if they reproduce that kind of volume in 2022. I I think that the the sticking with the new venue makes sense. Well, that's a good point. Uh, the volume. I think the volume is going to ebb. I think there's no doubt that to some extent, because, I mean, uh, and we'll talk about this in just a second, my 2020 production 
was much more than my 2021 production. And I think that's probably true for a lot of folks. We are both wrong on our show attendance, Dave. How so? We went to Wonderfest. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. And I completely forgot about Wonderfest. That was because that's that's a different type of show. You're right. I put it out of my mind and I shouldn't have because, frankly, while the show isn't as model focused as these other shows, boy, there's some great modeling there. In fact, there's cutting edge modeling, particularly when it comes to lighting and doing things like that. So, well, I don't yeah. know. I, th- I think you may have said that wrong. I think it is modeling focused, but it's it's a uh, our our participation was rather pedestrian. Yes, because we were filling it out because we hadn't been in a while. Yeah, but I mean the, the the show has a model contest to it, but it also has all of those things that are not just model focused uh, you know they, it's it's like a comic con merged with a model show merged with some sort of sci-fi convention it's a it's a different sort of animal it is it's fantastic it puts us at 5 and 4 which is pretty phenomenal you're, actually you're right actually <laughs> you, you are right i forgot about that thank you for reminding me I enjoyed all the shows. I, I think, you know, I've got my eye on the ones I want to try to get back to in the coming yep. year. And, and, you know, we got the Knoxville one we're, we're talking about. Yeah. So we'll see what 2022 has in store. I know we're yeah, going we, to, I know we're going to, I'm probably going, going to Indy and probably going to Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Nat, Nats probably going to Wonderfest in some yep. capacity and this yep. Knoxville show. So maybe. And, and the MMCL show. So maybe I get to five. Yeah. Well, if we can work in Heritage Con, if they hold it, who knows? It, this could be a big year for us. Well, let's move on to the next bullet, which is our modeling. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> okay, this is a little disappointing. 2020 for me was a great year. Four completed models, uh, which comes close to my record of five in one year. Uh, four quality models. I really liked what I produced. Um, I enjoyed it, but 2021 was a different animal. Uh, I only finished one model, and that was the 3D printed Starship that uh, Jeff Groves uh, gave to me <laughs> at Indy. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for keeping me from a goose egg. Barely. Barely. But I've got a lot of stuff that's really close. You know you, how you have some years where during the year you're working back and forth and you get a lot of stuff really close, but you just you don't push push over the line, probably at least in part because you're jumping back and forth. That was me, and I'm willing to accept that as long as in 2022 I, I push these over the line and end up with in at the end of March three or four completed models and then I can hold my head high I can go to Omaha I can try and increase my production which may be related to my reluctance to purchase new models at the at the hobby shop just simply because I realize I'm not moving as fast as I need to. I need to streamline the process. I spend way too much time procrastinating. 
I'm trying to think how many I finished. If I finished any, let's say I finished one. I think I finished the Airfix Nostalgia Build early in the year. I think you did because I took it to Indy. Yes, I think I did. I think you finished it right before Indy. Well, I did enter it in the Dayton Virtual Contest. Right. Gosh, I don't know. So zero I, I, or one? It's, it's zero or one, which is pretty bad. But the this is almost done. Yeah, the pole is completed. It really needs painting. The aircraft is built. It just needs to be painted. Yep. It's got to figure out all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know. I could probably I could get two done. Two for sure. By Omaha. <sighs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to get that uh, Musaru Cup thing done by by March. Yep. You need to get on that. So maybe three. Yeah. That would again, if we can both finish three kits by March, I mean, at that point, we're 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 back to twenty twenty production levels. Well, I don't think the E sixteen is going to be done by March. Well, the kit itself, okay. If you finish the kit, you can count that as a completion, even if you plan on doing a base with the catapult and all of that stuff. If you finish the model itself by March, that that counts. That's above the hard deck. Well, you're 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 generous, Dave. Yeah, well, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm a I'm 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 a generous human being. What can I say? Well, we hope to do better in 2022. Yes, we do. Because you're getting tired of hearing about this crap. Modeling adjacent. Well, uh, the biggest one for me is Plastic Model Mojo itself. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I did not expect it to go. The way it did, if 50 people listened to us, I would have been thrilled. And it's, it's orders of magnitude larger than that. Not only that, but it built a community and it built a community just at the time. Frankly, because of COVID, we needed it. I'm amazed at, we all go to model contests or we go, we interact online with somebody who is that modeler, who is not a pleasant person who is who, who exemplifies all the bad attitudes and our community certainly emphasizes to me that those people are the minority not the majority of modelers uh our listeners have been nothing but generous uh i love interacting with them i i had no idea when you and i started doing this that that we'd have a community or that we'd end up interacting with all the people we do. And, and I got to say, I love it. I've learned, and not only that, but I've learned a lot. There's, there's almost nobody that we've interacted with that I have not learned something from a piece of information, uh, be it a discrete piece of information about a particular subject or a technique. The interaction we got on the uh, adhesives episode was amazing. As far as modeling adjacent things, Plastic Model Mojo is probably the the number one thing on my list. Well, mine too, but considering we're in the middle of this podcast right now, that one kind of goes without saying, or it's kind of normalized out of the data. Yes. For, for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, mine kind of, hinges around this job change of mine. Yeah. 
And all of a sudden I've got access and responsibility around some equipment that I've dreamed about. Toys. It's just, yeah, toys. Kid in a candy shop. Fabulous, wonderful toys. Uh, Plus you get to send things up into space. I mean, come on. I do. I, I just, that's gobsmacking in itself, but yes, back to modeling. That reality has me revisiting some things, some projects that uh, I wasn't sure I was going to proceed with, or if I yeah. even could, or if I even could. We got a good SLA type 3D printer. We've got a laser cutter. There's a lot of stuff on the table with that. I mean, yeah. that just what it lets me do is it lets me experiment and play instead of just trying something and sending it off to some third party vendor and getting back what I get back, whether it works or not. Yeah, you can control the quality. I can control the quality. That's absolutely right. So I think uh, in that regard, the new job has certainly increased my the tools in my toolbox. And I look forward to it, to, uh, to capitalizing on that, really. I really do. Um, in addition to that, I've, I've talked about this KV-85 project. I, I think finally I have something on my plate that is going to make me possibly explore video i i would love to see that and I, I i think if i do that it's going to be under the plastic model mojo banner mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i'm not gonna make a promise but uh don't be surprised if uh there's a a specific subject matter type video or videos coming in 2022 i i really think it's something i want to do at least tr- at least try and I think it would be cool. And people need to realize, and you and I have talked about this because you've been hot on the KV-85 for a number of years. People don't realize how little information is out there on this particular vehicle. There are, what, a dozen photographs? There's a few more than that, but only a few. Maybe 16, yeah. probably 14. Known photographs of production vehicles. Yeah. Prototype excluded. Right. This is truly an an exploration in expanding the knowledge of the historical context of the vehicle itself. That's fair. That, you know, my wife accuses me of being a librarian who, who occasionally builds models. I love the historical research. I love Dana Bell is my hero. The the guy who goes through um, the Library of Congress archive photographs one by one and figures out things that nobody else has ever figured out. To expand that level of knowledge for a Soviet vehicle that they built, what, a couple of hundred of? Yeah, shy of 200. I think 150. 150-ish, something like that. It would just be amazing, much less being able to produce an as accurate as we can come up with kit of it. Well, there's three kits, but that's for another time. (laughs) Yeah, well. Anything else? Anything else for 2021? You know what? We talked about tools on an episode not too long ago, and I will tell you that while uh, maybe I'm not going into the hobby shop and picking up kit after new kit after new kit, I am excited about the new kits that are coming out. The 
KI-21s, the IBG-190Ds. There are a lot of really nice kits coming out. And I am I am interested in expanding my skills, possibly using acquiring new tools, be it a foam cutter or a cricket cutter or whatever. So I'm looking forward to 2022. And I got to say, that's that's pretty good. Well, that's a good point. I, you know, we need to collaborate and figure out who's going to buy what. <laughs> well, space or uh, space tango is going to buy everything, and we're, then no, I'm just going to sh- so. sh- ship everything to you. <laughs> Damn, you know it's hard to buy. It's hard to justify a foam cutter or a cricket cutter for a law firm. You know, I can try. I can try, but I'm not sure I can sell the usefulness of the either of those items in the practice of law. Well, I'm I'm buying a vacuum former for the Mojo Dojo. Oh, I do not blame you. Whose whose video was it who made the point that the ones coming out of China really are very, very good? Was that Budzig? Adam Savage. It was that's right, it was Adam Savage. And I've wanted one of those for a number of years. So and the the price point is really really good. So if I get that, you got to get either the cricket or or the silhouette. I don't know which one. You need to shop around and figure out which one you want to get. I'm looking to some kind of cutter. Is mine is the number one on my list. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Now I've just got to see if I can get that vein up to to donate enough blood to, to <laughs> you know with with. With two teenage girls and uh, college college facing me for one of them, so uh, I may be permanently hooked up to to one of those uh, one of those blood donation places. Well, for me, I think uh, I'm curious to see where the collaboration between a lot of the podcasts goes in the coming year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 2022 in Omaha because 2021. I will be honest with you; I did not expect. The number of podcasters there that we got there, I did not expect the level of camaraderie that we had. I am so looking forward to sitting in our hotel suite with all of the guys from PPP or whoever and just geeking out on everything but from podcasting to modeling to whatever. Sounds good to me, man. You and me both, brother. Well... We'll get into what's going to happen in 2022 a little later in another episode, as we always do for our kickoff. But for 2021, that's a wrap, man. So we want to just thank everybody for for listening and donating and offering us suggestions and all that stuff and coming up to the table at the shows. Man, that was was awesome. For still uh, the pandemic lingering around and causing trouble, we got out and we got quite a bit done and we didn't get sick. And, and got to meet a lot of folks. Got a lot to meet a lot of people. And it's it been, was a, awesome. been a blast. And we're still talking to a lot of them. So, yes. And Omaha looks like it's going to be that twofold, tenfold. I don't know how, how much more, but, uh, yep. Everybody who said they're going to be there so far is, uh, not on the guest registry from, from Las Vegas. Yep. So, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. So, Mike, uh, we've come to the, to the end of the episode. Uh, how did that modeling fluid work out for you? Well, this Michter small batch is is pretty good. It's good. That's better than pretty good. This is certainly uh, overtakes some I've bought. It's about a forty dollar bottle, so it's not 
it's not a cheap bottle. It's not a, you know, 25 or $30 dollars an under bottle. Yeah. But it's not a $50 bottle either. So, so my price barometer is going to be different from other people's. I, I'm not a bourbon is not my hobby. Right. I Modeling enjoy it. Your hobby. I enjoy it. So I'm, I'm not going to be buying, you know, $80, $100 bottles. Sure. Hand over no. fist. Right. So no. a, a 40, $50 bottle is a stretch for me. That's a yeah. celebration buy. This one's kind of on the, on the fence about that for the price. I don't think I like it enough better than my bullet to pick it. And I think I like even the bullet 10 year or maybe in the barrel strength better than this. Yeah. Which is about the same price point compared to what you're drinking. No way I'd buy what you're <laughs> drinking, but, but you're, you'll get to talk about that and I'll, I'll throw in some comment, but no, this is good. $40 bottle. I would, I would buy it again. You know, it's bourbon. So it's going to have a lot of Oak up front. They all do just about all of them. A little caramely. It's, it's, I think it's a little hot for, for 90, what'd I say? 91.4. 91. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little hot for that, for my palate. So you might want to be wary of that. If you don't mind that, no big deal. But if you want one to sort of like really smooth, this is not going to be the one that's going to be really smooth. It's, it's pretty smooth, but, uh, Michter's, Michter's small batch. Not bad. Not bad. Well, man, you did not undersell Old Forester 1920 Prohibition, especially if it's a bottle that you got for free from a, from a modeling <laughs> friend. But even if you had to pay for it, I am amazed. This thing's 115 plus proof. And I'll be honest with you, generally, if you hit a bourbon that's 100 proof or better, it is alcohol forward as all get out. It, there are very few bourbons above 100 proof where the burn and the alcohol isn't the thing that you notice first. Unless you shell out some cash. Unless, well, yeah, Weller, <laughs> well, yeah. Weller or Blanton's or, Blanton's uh, or somebody like that. Yes. Yeah. I got to tell you, 115 proof. And alcohol is the thing I notice the least about this bourbon. Vanilla, oak, um, smooth as a baby's bottom. I just, it's highly drinkable. Uh, my father was over with the, uh, my father and mother and brother were over for Christmas dinner a uh, day or two ago. My father, I, I gave him some bourbon, some old, some of this prohibition style and water. And he enjoyed the heck out of it and did not notice at all the strength of the bourbon. Uh, you know, I actually told him when I gave it to him, I said, now, you, you know, this is 115 proof. So just so you're aware of it. And he did not notice that al that level of alcohol forwardness at all. I can see why you love this. The only thing that would prevent me from making this my bourbon of choice would be the fact that it is about $50 a bottle. Thank you, Randy. And man, with a with an ice ball mold in it, it just melts perfectly. It just uh I got to recommend those ice balls. I thought they were all hype. They are not hype. They really do enhance uh sipping a bourbon. So I'm sold. You got me sold on this. We are taking some of this to Omaha, brother. At least one bottle. At least one bottle. <laughs> and if you end up in the Mojo Dojo suite at Omaha, 
we might be able to offer you a small shot of it. There you go. Absolutely. Or something else. There'll be more than one there. That's right. There will probably be some bourbon sampling. Now, I don't want to line out the hotel room door. <laughs> we but, might need a leaderboard, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, that's true. We might we might have to have voting. We might have to have <laughs> ranking. We we could we could make this a game. Well, that's a great idea. We're at the end of the episode, Mike. Do you have a shout out? I do have shout outs. Okay. First up, I want to shout out to all those who have contributed via Patreon or PayPal to Plastic Model Mojo because uh, the ranks keep growing, and we appreciate it very much. We got some new ones, Dave. We got Doc Breger, and we got Mike Talley, and we got Steve Schaefer, and they've all come to us either through Patreon or PayPal. Thank you. Made a contribution. Thank you guys very much, man. It's all helping out. It's going to help with stuff we got kind of planned for the future. Yeah. And we do have plans, guys. At least another season. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hell yeah. I'd hope to kiss a pig another year. That's right. Uh, so if you'd like to, to follow in the footsteps of these, these, uh, fine contributors, you can do so at PayPal. Uh, if you go to www.plasticmodelmojo.com, there's a heart icon in the upper right hand corner of your screen that will allow you to make a single one-time donation to plastic model mojo. You can go back there as often as you like, or once and one and done. We're thankful for anything you're willing to give us. And it's all goes a long way to helping us out. Uh, the other option is Patreon. And now Patreon is a managed kind of a recurring contribution. www.patreon.com slash plastic model mojo, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for plastic model mojo in their internal search function. You can go there and contribute anything from a dollar up on a monthly basis. Again, some folks have done that very much appreciated knowing that's coming helps us plan. Thanks for the future. Thanks a lot. That's all I can say. Very humbling. Uh, we really can't believe it. Yeah. F- folks like this show enough to uh, send us money. So okay. we're trying to make the best use of it we can. So thank you. Absolutely. Th- I, I want to echo that. Thank all of you. My shout out for this this episode, uh, not to blow sunshine up your skirt, Mike, but uh, my shout out is my uh, partner in crime, Mike. Uh, not only would we not be doing this if uh, Mike hadn't hadn't pushed the idea, but in addition, Mike devotes. I mean, for me, it's pretty easy. Uh, I do some things, but uh, mainly I show up and talk and be a pretty face. Mike does a lot of the hard work, and Mike devotes himself to making sure the quality of the audio that you're hearing is good. Uh, I take pride in the fact that uh, that the audio in our podcast is uh, good enough that we constantly hear from listeners who talk about us. And uh, that's all Mike. None of that's me. Uh, I'm hoping to eventually learn some of that to try and take a little bit of the burden off of him. But uh, my shout out is to my partner in crime two years into this, and I'm having a blast. Well, Dave, I tell you, I can do the same for you because I've told you before, I don't know if I've mentioned much on here, but I probably have, but you know, on a, on a Friday night, sometimes I'll get the bourbon out and I'll deep dive into some music on YouTube or, or something. But uh, another thing I, not music wise that I get into is uh, the Tonight Show. Yeah. Uh, the old Tonight Show, pre-Jay Leno, Johnny Carson. 
Yep. And there's Ed McMahon there, man. You're my Ed <laughs> McMahon, Dave. Great. Does that mean I have to sell Alpo dog food? <laughs> Are we going to get Alpo as a sponsor? No, but you can hand out those big checks for Publishers Clearinghouse. That's right. That's right. Either that, and and not only that, but I can hand you the envelopes when you do the the Karnak routine, which was always one of my favorites. Oh, there's an idea. Yeah, there you go. On on Funkin' Wagnall's front porch in a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar since noon today. Thank God we have an old audience who actually understands what we're referring to. Some of them will. You got any yeah. other shout outs, Dave, besides me? No, that's it. Well, I've got one more. All right. Uh, I've got a shout out to a past guest, Stephen Reed. I think he's down in Georgia. Uh, he's uh, active on the T34 interest, interest group and modeling group. We had him on in that regard, talking about yeah. th- those those Facebook pages. But uh, I put out an all points bulletin for a trumpeter KV85, and uh, Stephen uh, came through. Shining yeah. stars, man. Thank that you, Steve. That was very kind. I, I appreciate it. Very kind. So our our listeners are the greatest guy, group of guys we could possibly hope for. That's I, right. I really think it's a reflection of the podcast that we attract those type of guys. I think the hobby's full of them. I do too. I really do. For for all the rivet counters and all the complaints about the color Nazis and all of those guys that you hear. 99% of the guys who are into modeling are just great guys. All right, Dave, well, we're at the end of this one and we're at the end yep. of, we're at the end of the year. So happy new year to everybody. Happy new year. As they always say, so many kids, so little time. Happy new year, Mike. All right. Happy new year. And we'll get caught up real soon. Cause I got some stuff for you. See you on the other side, brother. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.